0: Week two in our series, you asked for it, and uh, for those who are not familiar with that series, this is something that Unison does in the summer to give you all an opportunity to submit questions for sermons that you wish somebody had preached on topics that you wish someone had preached on, and so this is your opportunity to actually get that sermon. So today I'm going to be preaching on two questions. It's not going to be two sermons. Like, they, they do merge together, so don't, don't, don't panic. So the first one is, how can dreams determine God's plan for me? Uh, and the other one is, why should we follow God? And I think that those are some really great questions. And um, if you're thinking, I don't understand how you're merging those. Uh, let me just tell you, it took a minute to, for for God to bring it together, because I was like, I see it, but there were moments when it was like, oh, there's the, like as I was about to go to sleep, oh, there's the, oh, and then I wake up in the morning, I'm like, could you repeat what you said right before I went to sleep? So anyway, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive in. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity for us to gather together as a family. I thank you for the way that you show up, I thank you for the way that you move and have plans for each person in this space and that you desire a strong relationship with each and every person that is in here and every person that's watching online and every person that may see the video after the service is over. Father, I just ask that as I speak this morning that the words are yours and that you do what you do best. And that is change lives. In Jesus name. Amen. All right. So I've titled the message. So here's the thing. Um, Whenever I hear that, this is usually what happens. So here's the thing and a folding of hands and a look that says, I'm about to disappoint you. Um, There's a reason that I needed to title this that. So, you know, here's the thing. Your tires look great, but you need all new brakes. Or here's the thing. We have ice cream, but it's all salmon patty flavored. I'm just saying, see? About to be disappointed. So here's the thing, right? I know that some of us have heard a lot about dreams and what God does with dreams, about uh, following God and what that means. So here's the thing. Some people have had some bad theology about both of those. And so I am, through me, God is going to hopefully correct some things that maybe you have thought we're correct about what God does with those two things. So if you've already thought you figured out what the message was about, I need you to take your jump to conclusions, Matt, and throw that away. Um, because we all have them, and I, we just get rid of that. We, we don't need it. It doesn't help us at all. Okay. So um, this is just kind of a reality check. So uh, that's what we're going to do today. So God does use dreams and visions. Scripture has that in there. We've seen in the Old Testament when he would bring dreams and visions to the prophets so that they could communicate back to the people of Israel that you are off course and you need to course correct. That's usually what those dreams and visions were for. Uh, Some of them were prophecies of what will happen when Jesus comes back, or Jesus' first uh, appearance on earth. So Genesis 3.15, very first prophecy of Jesus coming. Um, that's not the sermon today, so I'm not going to get into it. You can talk to me later. Uh, anyway, um, if you think about even Joseph, God gave him a dream that warned him of what he needed to do and where he needed to take Mary and Jesus because Herod was looking to kill all males two years and under yeah. because he was threatened by his, anybody taking his throne. He was not about it. So there's that. Also, God used dreams for the teenager to give them purpose on what he had planned for them. And if you're thinking, what teen are you talking about? Let me give you some scripture. If you have your Bible, open it to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37 is where we're going to be. And we're going to start in verse 5. So just to give a little bit, bit of context, Joseph is 17 at this point in um this retelling of his story he is one of the 12 sons of jacob uh, which are the 12 tribes eventually those become and um god started giving him dreams so starting in verse 5 one night joseph had a dream and when he told his brothers about it they hated him more than ever listen to this dream he said We were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. That seems kind of cool. Right. That's why I said kind of. Down at verse 9. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. Now, God can use literal dreams to point towards the purpose and plans he has for your life. So, as I said, Joseph was 17 years old. So if you're a young person and you're wondering if God can do that, I mean, he made someone a king when they were like eight Hey, Josiah was king at eight. So, young people, God can do great things through you. All right? So, now, what I didn't read was that Joseph was a little bit of a tattletale. He liked things to be a particular way, like this is how we were raised. This is how we do things. You aren't doing it. I'm telling dad. Uh, So, that's why by the time you get to the dream piece, his siblings are like, done with you. Absolutely done. I don't want to hear anything else that you have to say. So here's the thing. Not everyone is going to celebrate you and your dream. Even in its infancy, not everyone is going to think, oh, this is fantastic and wonderful. This is great. So what that means is you are going to need to have a very strong, deep, trusting abiding relationship with your heavenly father who gave you the dream to begin with you'll need to follow him to ensure that you don't compromise yourself in the process of the dream coming to fruition because the enemy is going to put temptations out there to distract you from what you're supposed to be doing cause discouragement cause you to doubt well maybe he didn't really say that or maybe I'm not really going in the right direction, or this is really hard, Uh, maybe I'm not going to do this. So Joseph was sold into slavery, and he ends up in Egypt, and he is bought by a man named Potiphar, and Potiphar is captain of the guard for Pharaoh, while Joseph is in his household, God gives him immense favor. So, everything that Joseph does, it succeeds. All the time. So, Potiphar notices and he's like, All right, I'm going to put you in charge of my entire household. The only thing that's off-limit is my wife, which totally makes sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, yes, that, you know, some things you feel like shouldn't have to be said, but you know, sometimes we need to just go ahead and say. Scripture says that Joseph was handsome and well-built. And if you are like, does it really say that? Chapter 39. You just go ahead and read it later because we're not, we're not, that was, it's off track, people. It's off track, okay? Um, So Potiphar's wife notices. She's not blind. She notices and she's like, oh, okay. All right. So she was always trying to get him to have sex with her, and he was not about it. He was like, I'm not going to jack up my integrity with God. I'm not going to get myself distracted by any of what you have to do, and I'm not going to disrespect my employer. So what he did was try to avoid her as much as possible. Now, some of us in here like to be like, I don't know if you can see this piece of tape right here. Some of us like to be this close to where we should not be. We want to be this close to the temptation. Like, oh, I can handle it. I can, I can handle it. Be it. Like, this is not a problem. Okay. See, I'm, let me get just a smidge. See, I like, I'm still not over the line. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. All right. But do you see how much easier it is to, like, slip over? Come on. Like why? Why Why do we do that to ourselves? Why are we this close? Like there's no reason for us to be this close to it. We should be like Joseph. Avoid it as much as possible. That's what we should be doing. Because it gets us off track. It gets us in a place where we're not following God. We could be derailing the time that it will take for us to get to where God has planned for us. I mean... I can't remember how much time it was, but the Israelites, the 40 years, mm-hmm. that was because of their own stuff. Right. Come on. That wasn't because God needed it to take 40 years for them to get to the promised land. They made choices, God had consequences. Doesn't mean he didn't love them and care about them. But he's not going to just let you do whatever and uh, just like, well, you know what? I know they didn't really mean it. No. Okay. All right. So um, because of what Potiphar's wife did, uh, she ended up one day, got him kind of backed into a corner. She grabs his cloak and he's like, I'm out of here and leaves his cloak behind. Well, now she's got to explain why she has the cloak. So her explanation to cover her own behavior was a complete lie and got him in prison. So while he was in prison, uh, God, again, gave him a lot of favor. So the warden was like, I see what you're doing. All right, I'm going to put you in charge of this whole place. Now, this would not happen in America, so... (laughs) that <laughs> that 's not that 's not a thing here, so uh, i don 't know what kind of prison system they had there, but here that would not be oh yeah we 're going to let a prisoner oversee all the other prisoners and run things no, uh, but this in this instance, that is exactly what happened is he oversaw all the prisoners, all of the logistics, everything that was happening in the prison. the warden allowed him to oversee it because God gave him favor and success in everything that he did now while he was in there you know he got to know people created relationships with folks so when he saw the chief cupbearer of pharaoh didn't look like his usual self he's like hey what's going on you don't look as cheerful as you usually do he's like well uh i had this really weird dream i don't know what it means at all and so joseph's like well i can't interpret dream. I can't tell you what it means, but God can tell me and then I'll tell you. So that's what he did. Well, the chief baker heard the positive end to the chief cupbearer's story and thinking, oh, all right, I also had a crazy dream. I bet I'm going to get the same thing. Now, let me just tell you a little something here as we talk about dreams and following God, what you see God doing for somebody else does not mean you are going to be getting the same thing <laughs> because we often do that. we think, oh, because they 're doing x y z i 'm over here doing my thing i 'm going to have the same type of i 'm going to take off and my my thing's going to do this. I'm going to be rolling in it in terms of my business. I'm going to open a couple other things, blah, 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 blah. And God's like, that's not at all the plan I have for you. Remember that jump to conclusions, Matt, I told you to get rid of? Come on. Out. Out of there. Cannot, that does not serve you. We cannot assume that what God's doing for someone else, he's going to do for us when it comes to purpose in life. Is God going to care for us and provide for our needs? Yes, he's going to do that for everybody. But when it comes to what our purpose is, we're each a unique person. We're each gifted with certain things to help the body of Christ and to impact the world for Christ. Mm -hmm. And different people are going to need different things that each of us carry that will bring them to the Lord. So if it was all cookie cutter, like, does that even make sense? okay all right so chief cupbearer gets his job back chief baker he does not joseph says to the cupbearer hey when you get to pharaoh tell him about me because maybe i can get up out of here well cupbearer doesn't remember two years later before he remembers and the only reason he remembers is because pharaoh had a couple of dreams that nobody else could tell him what they meant And then the cupbearer says, oh, I remember this cat back in prison that he was able to tell me what my dreams meant and they actually came true, what he had to say. So Joseph gets called to see Pharaoh. Pharaoh's like, hey, I understand that you can interpret dreams. He's like, I don't have the power for that. So we talk about... um, acknowledging that he deserves the glory. That's exactly what Joseph was doing is. I don't have the power to actually interpret. God has that power, but I'll listen. I'll see what God tells me. All right. So we need to remember when we get into spaces and places, how did we get there? How did we get there? All right. So, One little thing that I did forget to say is that when we're following God, here's the thing about that. When we are following him, we're not promised easy street. Um, We're not promised that it's going to be the smoothest route in the situation. But what he does promise is that he will be with us through the trial and tribulation, and that we can have peace and assurance of that, and that we're going to be okay. Regardless of the outcome, we're always going to be okay. Now, does it mean it's going to be our favorite outcome? No, but we're going to be okay. All right, so Joseph gives God, or gives Pharaoh the message that God has for him about the years of excess and the years of famine related to food in Egypt. And this is what he tells Pharaoh that he needs to do. He needs to find somebody who can handle all the logistics across the entire country. You are going to need also someone who's wise and intelligent to be able to do that. And you're also going to need supervisors to collect a certain amount of grain during the years of excess, get all of it stored, have it unlocked so that when the famine comes, we're going to make it out of that. Okay? So Pharaoh's response is, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? So when we're following God, we never know where his plans for our lives will lead, what rooms he may bring us to could be a high official and it could be our neighbor across the street because what it is that we have and he's prepared us for meets their need yeah, 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 yeah. by the time joseph actually gets into pharaoh's court to do the job he was 30 mm-hmm. he was 30 So let me give you some scripture related to our plans and following God. So these are not on the screen, um, but I'll give you the references, and if you're taking notes, you can look them up later. So I'll try not to go too fast. So the first one you're probably very familiar with, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Proverbs 16, 1, We can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. Proverbs sixteen three through 4. Commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. The Lord has made everything for his own purposes, even the wicked for a day of disaster. And you're thinking, what? Listen, do you know how many bad kings the Israelites had? that God used to try to get them back on track. Uh, you know, sometimes those rough things that are going on that we're like, I don't understand why God's doing this to me. Okay, well, we might need to do some self-examination, see are we off track on what's happening. Proverbs sixteen seven: When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. So why should we follow God? Well, there you go. Proverbs sixteen nine. We can make plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Proverbs nineteen three. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then are angry at the Lord. Listen. Oh, I, I, apparently somebody wants to read it again. So Proverbs nineteen three. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. Listen, it's in the Bible. here's the thing, right, exactly, it's in the Bible. So here's the thing, obedience creates the opportunity. Obedience creates the opportunity. So, you want to go and live your life however you want to and then ask God to bless it, uh, well, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord because stuff doesn't work out, okay? If you want to run your life and but look like a Sunday Christian, just say that. I mean, you're not fooling God. He already knows exactly where you are okay? So our willingness to do what he's called us to, particularly in the small things, with consistency, are what brings us to the places and spaces that we might not otherwise encounter. As we grow in our relationship with Christ, our obedience level should also grow. So here's another thing. Following God doesn't mean you get everything you want god is not a genie uh it doesn't mean that you won't have trouble or that he owes you remember that jump to conclusions Matt. well i'm doing a b c so god should automatically be doing this no 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 this is not transactional this is not well because i put Money in my bank account, I should be able to pull out this much money. It's not that. Yeah. Yeah. God desires relationship. But a lot of times people want it to be transactional. That there's a formula about how I live my life and the things that I do. And because I'm doing that, God automatically should be doing this. I should not have health issues. My car shouldn't break down. I shouldn't be struggling financially. There is nowhere in scripture that says that. It does not say that. But here's what we can know about what it means to follow god he's always with us his holy spirit is there to give us wisdom and discernment and we can be surrounded by a community of believers who will pray for and with us as we're going through on this journey so you're not by yourself unless you choose that because that's the only way that happens that's a choice. All right? Jesus says at the end of John 16 that we will have trouble in this world. But take heart, have courage because he has overcome the world. We are more than conquerors. Thank you, Lord. So here's the thing about our dreams. It doesn't mean that the minute we have a literal dream or an idea dream that it's going to happen immediately or that we are fully capable and prepared to do the thing. Mm -hmm. All right, jump to conclusions, Matt. Throw that away. Okay, but what it does mean is that he's with you and he sees the big picture for kingdom impact. He's going to grow you in preparation for what's ahead. I'm sure that Joseph learned a lot while he was in prison Mm -hmm. and running things, while he was in Potiphar's house and running things. He had 13 years of training Mm -hmm. before he was ever put as second in command for the country of Egypt. So we're not just going to God give us like, okay, go ahead and... Not prepare us, not make sure that we have an understanding of what all is needed, that we don't have enough of the right skill set, that we don't know how to interact with people. Because I guarantee anything God has us do, people are involved. (laughs) I mean, the Great Commission, go, make disciples. Those are people. Like, it's not an inanimate object. So you've got to know how to interact with people, even if that's not your gift. (laughs) I'm just saying, I'm just saying, all right? So he's gonna grow you in preparation. And what our dreams also mean is that there will be challenges. Internal, so our own stuff. Relationship challenges, learning challenges, because there'll be learning curves, setbacks. But it's also going to be a time of joy and excitement, a testing of your faith, going through the fire to purify you so that when you get to where He's leading you, the impurities, He's been able to clean all that out of there. So when you come out, even your enemies are at peace with you. So I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray. Obedience creates the opportunity. That's the thing. Father, thank you so much for the way you are gentle with us and remind us of your love for us. Thank you for the way that you gently bring us back into right alignment with yourself when we get off track. Father, thank you For this morning, and your word that reminds us that you have a purpose for each of us, that you desire for us to follow you, and that when we do that, there's a peace that passes all understanding, a joy that isn't about our circumstances. Thank you, Father, for the seeds that have been planted with your word this morning through the music, through the dance, through this entire service. Father, I ask that as we leave, we leave changed and that as we go throughout the week, you bring your word to mind and that we would meditate on it and it would cause us to grow in our relationship with you and to develop new patterns that are in line with who you created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.